Good morning and greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Bob Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here at Stony Brook United Methodist Church. On behalf of our preaching pastor today, Reverend Jennifer Casey, we want to welcome you to our first live stream worship service. Just take a moment, if you will, and help us to know who's here, when, who's worshiping with us today. If you're worshiping on Facebook, just click on the connection card link. If you're worshiping through uh, YouTube or our webpage, just go to stonybrook.church forward slash together. Click on the gray connection box. You can also give us a prayer concerns you might have or other pastoral care needs. You still have time to participate in our back-to-school supply drive, but all of the donations need to be here on the church porch by Wednesday this week. Now, as we continue to navigate our response to the pandemic, make sure you continue to check our website for the most updated information related to worship and other activities here at Stony Brook. Please know that we will continue to live stream a traditional and a contemporary service each week for the foreseeable future. And just so you know, those live stream services will be recorded so you can watch them later in the week. You can invite your friends to join us later. And we are really excited to remind you that our new senior pastor, Reverend Mary Jo Yakel, will be with us actually in the office tomorrow. Her first Sunday to preach is next Sunday, August the 9th. Please be in prayer for Pastor Mary Jo during this time of transition. And we are so pleased that we have our socially distanced bell choir here today, and they'd help us to begin our worship with our prelude entitled Talus Canon. With these words we are called to worship. Come to the water, all you who thirst. Come and drink deeply from the river of life. 
Come to the water, all you who are weary. Come rest in the quiet pools of God's love. Come to the water, all you who long for justice. Come be renewed in God's ever-flowing stream. For God is here among us, washing away the dust and the grime of our lives, and pouring out the Holy Spirit on all who thirst. Let us worship God together. Our opening hymn today is You Who Are Thirsty. It is sung today by Pat Wilborn. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Matthew fourteen, thirteen through twenty-one. 
Will you bow with me now for a time of prayer? Dear God, strong Father, loving Savior, gentle guide, we come before you this morning with awe, with gratitude, and with wonder. We join our voices with the symphony of the natural world to praise you and to bless your holy name. As we continue to study and learn from the Gospel of Matthew, the lessons and the expectations of the kingdom of God, we pray that with each new day, your kingdom will come with new wonder and power for us individually and corporately as we live fully in this present moment while fully expecting the perfection of kingdom life to dawn as we enter into eternity. We acknowledge that all we have and all that we are comes from your gracious hand. So help us to live our lives with an active gratitude so that all your children will have enough and more. We must confess, though, that when you ask us to help or, or to get involved, it's easy for us to say, I've got nothing. And then we feel the eyes of our gentle Savior looking into the depths of our hearts and we begin to see the hidden treasures and, and resources of material blessings, emotional strength, physical abilities, spiritual gifts, and all the rest that we actually have that we can offer to you when you ask. And we celebrate and remember this day the miracles that we have already experienced when we have given what we have into your hands and witnessed the bounty of blessings you create when we are willing to cooperate and co-create with you. And of all the blessings you have given us, none compares with the forgiveness that you offer through the life, the death, and the glorious resurrection of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Keep reminding us that as forgiven sons and daughters, we have the capacity and the obligation to forgive those who have hurt us or sinned against us in any way. Give us joyful hearts when we claim the blessing of offering forgiveness, which can result in new life and restored relationships. We are so grateful for the freedoms of thought and action that are part of our lives through the act of creation. And yet we realize that this freedom comes with the cost of, of being careful and smart. Guide us through the valleys of temptation and bring us safe on the other side to bask in the warmth of a living relationship with you through Christ. On this day, we bring the needs of our community before you. For those who are sick or troubled, we ask for healing and for strength. For all who are lonely and fearful, we pray for calm and hope. For each of us with our own hurts and failings, we ask for courage to heal and change. Today we pray for our new senior pastor, Reverend Mary Jo Yackel. Bless her with insight, vision, strength, and compassion as she prepares to come and lead here at Stony Brook. And be with each of us. Give us open minds and willing hearts to find your touch for each of us through her ministry among us. As the pandemic continues to stifle life and livelihoods, we pray for your guiding hand and the intervention of the Holy Spirit 
to bring healing and hope. We pause now to pray with gratitude for the life of Congressman John Lewis, whom you have received into your eternal care. Help us to incorporate the bravery, fortitude, compassion, and grace of your servant as we do our part to stand up for all of our brothers and sisters. And give us courage to get into whatever good trouble we might encounter for the benefit of all your children. Now bless us as we continue to worship through sacred word, music, proclamation, and the sacrament, that we might find the particular blessing that we need this day. Bless Pastor Jennifer with the words, vision, and passion that will ignite your Holy Spirit in each heart and life that is present with your message through her today. We pray these and all of our prayers in the strong name of Jesus. And with honor and humility, we join our voices with the multitude of voices around the globe this day as we pray with Jesus, calling you Father, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our bells now ring for us, Jesus loves me.
Well, it was no small feat to get live streaming here at Stony Brook. We are so glad that you are here worshiping with us through this uh, medium, and I just want to extend a special thanks to all of those who have put uh, forth so much time and energy and thought into having this available for our congregation. So thank you to our production team and our technical wizards that are behind the scenes right now. Will you join me in a spirit of prayer? Oh God, for the gift of your holy scriptures, we give you thanks. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds and imprint in us your deep love for us and call us to action. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Growing up, humor was an important part of my family life. From my family, I learned how to find the amusing in the world. Laughter came easily and has served to lighten some of the heaviness of life over the years. When I was young, I always knew where my mom was in the neighborhood. Not because she would tell us where she was going before she left the house, but because we could hear her laughter bouncing off the houses and through the trees, pinpointing for us exactly where she was and who she was visiting. Mom's laughter was, and still is, readily present and always contagious. Now, my dad has always been a fan of puns. Loving the cleverness of them, he tried really hard to teach me to appreciate a good pun. Much to his dismay, I didn't, and still don't, find them funny. My dad was a master at dad jokes before society even began calling such grown-worthy witticisms dad jokes. My brothers were the funniest people I knew. They had the ability to poke light fun at mom, who was always good-natured and would laugh easily. Life has been hard over the years, and life has been funny. Perhaps the most profound use of humor in my family was when my brother Jeff was diagnosed with cancer at 21. For 18 months, he endured surgeries, invasive medical procedures, hair loss, weight loss, hope, hopelessness, disappointment, grief, fear, and anger. And throughout all of these changes, he never lost his sense of humor. One of the greatest gifts he gave to us was his ability to find humor in the midst of the horror of his cancer. He had the ability to poke fun at the horrible things that were happening to his body, and this helped all of us cope. I sometimes wonder if our grief would have consumed us if it hadn't been for his humor. It was a long time after he died before I was able to laugh again. There are times when I laugh out loud when I read the scriptures. Now that may seem, seem strange coming from a pastor. It's not that I take our sacred and holy text lightly. 
Rather, it's that sometimes people and situations are just funny. And the Bible is made up of a whole bunch of people who are trying really hard to figure out what it means to be God's beloved. And sometimes their behavior and the situations in which they find themselves are downright amusing. Paul, for example, he doesn't strike me as someone who lived a lighthearted life. What we have recorded for us shows a pretty intense, pretty serious dude. He can be a touch melodramatic in some of his letters, and it's his melodrama that I find amusing. Sometimes I just want to say, Paul, lighten up. Maybe if you approached your congregations with a little lightness, you may have had a different kind of impact with them. Now, while I perceive to be Paul as melodramatic and angsty at times, I find Jesus downright intentionally hilarious. He is a master at rhetoric and communication, and his parables and stories are filled with the absurd and the exaggerated. This is surely done by design in order to keep his listeners engaged and finding the humor in human existence. For years now, I've been dreaming about doing a sermon series on the humor of Jesus. Not only do I laugh at Jesus for being intentionally funny, but I find myself laughing out loud at the disciples as well. Now, my laughter honestly comes readily to the surface because I am reminded through their stories that we are no different than the disciples. Some things have not changed in 2,000 years. There's a reason we revisit and retell these stories over and over and over again. We just finished up a sermon series on the parables found within Matthew's Gospel. Jesus' parables all point to the kingdom of God by using everyday examples, objects, people, concepts to illustrate God's kingdom. God's kingdom, we know, is not like human-created kingdoms. God's kingdom is one filled with justice, mercy, compassion, inclusivity, and love. And I laughed out loud at last week's scripture. Uh, Pastor Bob had preached on the last three parables that we find in Matthew, and at the end of those three parables, Jesus turns to his disciples and asks them, have you understood all of this? And they say, yes. And I laughed. No, they didn't understand, and how could they? The concept of God's kingdom is so revolutionary that it goes against everything we have ingrained in us from society. And we also know they didn't understand because we have the benefit of having the entirety of the scriptural story at our disposal. We know that the disciples, being very human, continued to question, continued to make mistakes, continued to deny, betray, and abandon Jesus. For the second week in a row now, I've laughed out loud. Why, you may be asking yourself, what on earth is funny about today's story? 
a miracle story so important to each of the gospel writers that it is the only miracle story of Jesus, with the exception of the resurrection, found in all four gospels. What is so funny about a story which begins with Jesus retreating to a deserted place because he had just heard about the death of his cousin, John whose mother, Elizabeth, and Jesus' mother, Mary, were pregnant at the same time. John, who leapt in his mother's womb upon hearing Mary's voice. John, who baptized Jesus. John, whose ministry created a pathway before Jesus. John, Jesus' beloved cousin, who had just been brutally murdered, beheaded by Herod. What's so funny about that? It is heart-wrenching to think about Jesus' shock, despair, grief, anger, and sadness. No matter the experiences we've had in our lifetime, I suspect that each of us can relate to the pain of death. Jesus' desire to go be by himself in the midst of this horrifying news makes sense. There was no time for him to grieve privately because the crowds followed him. Jesus, compassionate, tender, healing Jesus, doesn't send the crowds away. He welcomes them. His heart feels their pain. His heart feels their desire for healing. His heart feels their need for a savior. And so he welcomes them, and they stay. Except, now it's getting late, and they are in a deserted place. There's no place to eat, there's no village close by, no Mickey D's down the street they can go to, and the disciples' anxiety begins to ramp up. Jesus, they plead, you must send the people away, for it is getting late, and we don't want them to be hungry. They need time to get to a village before it's dark. Remember all those parables we just finished exploring in July? Remember how Jesus described the kingdom of God in parable, this kingdom life that was revolutionarily different than what anyone had experienced. Remember when Jesus asked the disciples at the end of his parables if they understood Remember they said yes, and I laughed? This is why. Within a heartbeat of time passing, the very briefest of moments since the teaching of the parables, Jesus has now invited the disciples into the kingdom-building work. Jesus doesn't panic that it's getting too late. Jesus isn't concerned that there's not food for the crowds. He sees this situation as something that the disciples can handle. And so he simply turns to them and says, don't send them away, you feed them. The disciples, ever so human, respond with, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And this is where I laughed. The definition of nothing is the state of absence of or being void of something. 
the disciples say, we have nothing, and in the exact same sentence, report that there are five loaves and two fish. That's not nothing. That's something. In case you've never heard a preacher say this before, hear me today. Preachers are frequently preaching to themselves. I cannot tell you how many times I have read through the preaching text for the week and thought to myself, uh-oh, God is trying to tell me something here. This week, that sentence, God's talking to me. And I know God's talking to you as well, because it's not all about me. This entire pandemic, we've been lamenting what has been taken away from us. Please know I am not minimizing or dismissing anyone's experience during the pandemic. There has been and will continue to be real grief, real disappointments, and very real challenges because we as a society are very broken. We have some very serious and complex issues we must deal with. I recently watched a news story about the tsunami. That is the exact word that the housing expert used, the tsunami of American citizens who will be homeless in the near future. Mass evictions are set to begin soon because the stopgap to protect people set during the beginning of the pandemic is now coming to an end. Hear that. A tsunami of families are going to be out on the street. Shelter scarcity, food scarcity, health care scarcity. We think the pandemic is bad now. Just wait until the healthcare system is so overly taxed because people have been put out on the street and are unable to care for their basic needs. This is no laughing matter. We have very serious issues. What this scripture is calling us to is to see that which we have not yet been able to see that which is already in our midst. We don't have nothing. We have something. In fact, we have an abundance of something, and God is the one providing it all for us. Mondays at my previous church were one of my favorite days of the work week. Every Monday, a dedicated group of church members showed up to work around the church. They dubbed themselves the Monday Work Crew. This group of retired folks would come in and they'd repair broken items and they'd paint walls and they'd hang pictures and they'd work outside in the gardens and just do a whole bunch of things around the church. I looked forward to seeing them and checking in with them each Monday. But perhaps the best part of the day was lunch. At noon every Monday, we met in the fellowship hall to share a meal together. We would take turns bringing in food for the entire group. And the, the conversations at lunchtime ranged from catching up on our families to the health concern of one another 
to laughter at life's funny experiences. One year around Halloween, the lunch table conversation turned to the worst items we had received as a child while trick-or-treating. We laughed at some of the items we had received over the years in lieu of candy. As a kid, I never appreciated the pencils that would show up in my bag or the pennies or even the evangelism tracks which would show up. As we sat there sharing and laughing, one of the women told a story from a trick-or-treat night many years ago. She said she had been passing out candy all night long, and she misjudged the number of trick-or-treaters she anticipated, and she ended up running out of candy. Alarmed at not being able to hand out something to the children, she quickly ran to the kitchen and threw open her pantry and pulled out the only item she thought was appropriate to pass out to children, baking potatoes. The lunch group sat stunned with our mouths gaping open, and after about two seconds had passed, we all burst into laughter. The idea of her putting potatoes into the trick-or-treaters' bags was just too much. We laughed, and we laughed, and we laughed. We teased that she's likely been someone's the worst thing I ever got on trick-or-treat night story. I still laugh about that conversation today. It was such a joy-filled day, with the saints sitting around the table sharing a meal together and laughing over the image of a potato in a trick-or-treater's bag nestled amongst the candy. Here's the thing, though. Where someone else may have closed their front door, turned off their light, and called it a night after running out of candy, this woman didn't. She didn't focus on what she had lost or what she didn't have. I honestly don't even think it occurred to her that she had the option to not continue participating in trick-or-treat. And so she ran to her pantry and found something. God takes what we have and God multiplies it. God takes our creativity and blesses it. Can't meet for in-person worship? No worries, we'll live stream instead. Can't meet with your small group for study time? It's okay, we've got Zoom set up. Run out of Halloween candy on trick-or-treat night? Don't worry, run to your pantry and pull out the potatoes. Jesus took those five loaves and those two fish, and Jesus thanked God for what had already been given to them. And after blessing this food and it miraculously multiplying, he handed the food back to the disciples and said, you go feed the people. God had already given them all that they needed, and God has already given us all that we need. It may not be obvious Our vision may be obstructed by the anxiety and the fear in which we find ourselves during this pandemic, but trust me, it is there. God 
created us to be creative and adaptive creatures, and God has created us to care for one another. God has created us to celebrate and to give thanks for that which is in our midst. Jesus understood this, and he taught it to the disciples on many different occasions. Perhaps, though, the most poignant and transformative moment of teaching thanksgiving in the midst of suffering and loss was the Last Supper that Jesus shared with his disciples. And so as we move to the table of grace to experience this sacrament, we are reminded that we are going to be nourished with love and we are to give thanks. Jesus lived and breathed a ministry rooted in love for all people. He prioritized the lives of those who suffer and showed us what it looks like to be with and for one another. And though evil attempted to silence his proclamation of an all-inclusive kingdom, not even death could stop love from growing. And so on the night in which he was betrayed, he gathered among his friends for a meal. He took bread, he gave thanks, he broke the bread, and he shared it with disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he once again gave thanks to God. And then he gave it to the disciples and said, take and drink. This is the cup of the new covenant, which has been poured out for each of you. As often as you drink of this, do it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of Christ with us and in the assurance of persistent love, we offer our lives, our ministries, and our church in the service of healing work and reconciliatory work as we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Let's pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit on this community in all of the ways that we are gathered and on these gifts. Make them a taste of your kingdom through Christ with us that we might leave the table nourished by your abundance. Amen. This is the bread of life which has been given for you. And this is the cup of salvation which has been poured out for you. Let us pray. God, for these holy and mysterious gifts, we give you thanks. We trust that they will nourish our bodies and give us the strength to be your hands and feet in the world. Amen. And now, friends, I send you with our familiar, familiar words of, of blessing. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. 
May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go in peace, friends, and amen.